Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung and Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Plan Academy is the world's leading learning site for anyone working in construction, project management, or project controls. At Plan Academy, you learn construction, planning, and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced construction scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and at your own pace. You can learn at the office, at site, from home, anywhere. Check out planacademy.com today for free sample lessons and tons of free video. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by JustDo.com. JustDo is a great business and project management tool we've been using here at Project Chatter. I agree, Val. I like to keep things simple and JustDo is perfect for that. But I do know it's got a lot of powerful functionality as well. And one of my favorites is the task-specific chat. Absolutely. And for all you slackers, don't wait for Monday. Check out JustDo.com. Now on with the pod. Hello, project people, and welcome to the Project Chatter podcast. I'm Val Matthews, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dale Fung. Hey, Val. Hey, everyone. Hey, mate. Uh, In this episode, we get to speak to Anil Godwale. Did I say it right? Yeah, that sounds right, yeah. Welcome to the show, Anil. It's great to have you here, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks, gents. Thanks for the opportunity. And it's it's a pleasure to see you guys, and as well as I'll be happy to share my views on the ongoing topic, which we're going to discuss in a few minutes. Looking forward to it. Uh, so, on, yeah, as, as you said, on this pod, we're going to be talk, talking to Anil about the Project Controls Expo and what to expect and what you're going to get from it and where and where it's going to be and whether it's going to be virtual, etc. But before we get into the detail, as usual, here's Dale with Anil's bio. Cheers, Val. So Anil has over two decades of experience in project controls in corporate and field offices, offering him diverse and in-depth exposure to the implementation of project controls on a range of complex and mega projects, which includes oil and gas, both upstream and downstream, CCUs, which is carbon capture units, power projects, and pipelines. Anil is passionate about project controls, which leads him to working in multiple capacities for for implementation and enhancement of this growing subject. He's the managing managing director of ProjCon Group, which is a project controls consultancy, the founder of Project Controls Online, which is the largest project controls e-network and knowledge base, and he's the project manager for Project Controls Expo, which is the largest project controls event slash show and finally, he is the founder of Project Controls Institute, which is a project controls learning platform. I feel like um, if uh, if project controls was a cult, and maybe it is, then you'd be like one of the you know the fathers of of this cult, Anil. <laughs> <laughs> No. In, in other words, I eat, drink, breathe project controls. Exactly. And yes, exactly. Uh, you, you epitomize, you know, project <laughs> controls, which, which is amazing. Um, but thank you for joining us. Um, one of my first questions uh, is how did it all start for you? 
were you like the the majority of us that, that have a few years under the belt and did did you just fall into controls or was it like a conscious decision where did it start out right it's a very interesting story as soon as i finished my engineering i got a campus placement into one of the major engineering companies in india and i joined as a mechanical design engineer because i did my engineering in mechanical so they recruited me from the campus to allow me to uh, you know up, up put my skills uh, into practice around mechanical design uh, designing the boilers and compressors and stuff like that i joined the company and for two months i was doing nothing just because the project they were waiting for and for which they recruited me which was they were very much anticipating to get uh, was getting delayed and so we're just chilling out doing nothing uh, young you know so but then in two months time and then end of, end of the two months the project got cancelled it didn't come and then they were like confused what to do with this young man you know uh, he's just spending his time on the coffee machines and chit chatting everywhere so they the hr called me and they said this is what the situation is and um, we we don't know what to do about you and uh, there might be one opportunity which you might want to consider and that is about we are setting up a pmo for the business as such where we're looking for an mba grad but now that we already have someone in the in house would you like to try your hands out there it will be completely different than what you have studied i said it's better than not having a job so i got into the pmo implementation team uh, purely from the tech perspective to help them roll out their uh, pmo uh, infrastructure and uh, that was the beginning of uh, getting into the project controls and within a year or so then they put me into planning function of engineering projects because having my background in mechanical engineering they felt that it might be a good idea to start my putting my hands into the planning uh, uh, planning and scheduling function of that pmo so they did not have a project controls function as such they had a pmo section and within the pmo section they used to have planners calculators risk people so they put me into the planning and scheduling and that is how my journey as as the planning and scheduling engineer starts so i become an accidental planner you can call me and when i joined bechtel that is where i heard the term project controls for the first time and uh, i was uh, a part of the wider project controls team i was the official title was project controls engineer working in into the project controls function and uh, applying the project controls best practices and techniques so that was my start of the career and as you can see uh, i was never destined to become a project controls person i was I was supposed to become an engineer uh, but the life had something else for me but i think um, if i look back i have no complaints I'm happy that life had something different for you. Um, I mean, if anyone's been to the expo, and I know a lot of people around the world have been to the Project Controls Expo, um, wow, amazing. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, because um, you know, nowadays you find some people in controls, but they've never done planning. And personally, Val and I have spoken about this before, is we think that uh, the better controls professionals usually graduate through planning. They're, they've done planning first. Is that your experience? as well yes definitely uh not just the planning so if you want to evolve as a project controls person you need to have a a, a right blend of understanding of all its sub functions planning which comes before the scheduling a lot of people confuse between planning and scheduling which and they are totally different things planning scheduling at the same time you should have the good 
understanding of the cost engineering. Uh, estimation element is a separate thing from the cost. The risk, the reporting, the change management, and you, it is it is it is a perfect blend of an interface between all these things. Functions makes you a, a good project controls people. Just having a cost background with no knowledge of planning, or just having a planning background with no knowledge of cost, would uh, would not be helpful for you to perform your function as a project controls. So I would suggest um, you could be master of one, but jack of all, uh, to allow you to become a good project controls person. Because then you can understand the perspectives of other functions to allow you to do your job in your function better. So even if you're a planning engineer, you need to understand how the cost risk change and reporting guys operate. So that that way I can sum it up. No, that's great advice. I was recently listening to another podcast where they mentioned how generalists succeed in a specialist's world. Yeah. And they're comparing, um, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, which is your Tiger Woods example versus your Roger Federer. And they're saying how Tiger from age four, whatever it was, had a golf club in his hand, right? And, arguably or not arguably the best golfer of our time. Mm-hmm. And you look at Roger Federer um, and one of the best tennis players, if not the best te- tennis players um, ever. And he had a varied upbringing. He played all sorts of sports and all sorts of things and did all sorts of various things. And the discussion was around that um, the more finite the constraints, the easier it is to be repetitive and become good at it. Um, the more varied it is, the more varied skill sets you, you need to have. And then I thought, let, let's apply that to project controls. And actually, project controls has a lot of variables. So you, you'd, you'd rather want to be a Federer than a Tiger Woods, right? Sure, sure. So, yeah, it was really, really interesting uh, for me, certainly. Um, but let, let's switch it up a bit and go straight into the expo. I, I'm, I'm keen to know what's going to happen there. I mean, you know. Every single person I know uh, in the profession has been to the expo in some way, shape, or form. We know obviously coronavirus has hit us this year. Um, that that has you know obviously impacted um, physical um, expos. Um, but the virtual expo is uh, happening in November. Yep. Um, can you give us a bit about that? So yeah, I mean, maybe I'll take a little bit of a step back here. Uh, so we started Expo ten years back. And the whole reason we started this was actually there were multiple reasons. The lack of understanding, you know, uh, around this subject, lack of inconsistent understanding around this subject and uh, not too much professionalism around it. So to address these two key areas, we started the Project Controls Expo in the UK and uh, our 10th anniversary was this year. Yes. Wow. Happy anniversary. (laughs) <laughs> which didn't happen because of the coronavirus. Now we moved our events to the next year. So November has always been our traditional month for the event. And people used to plan all through the year to attend the Project Controls Expo in November. People used to, not just for the UK and Australia one, but also a lot of international travels used to schedule accordingly. Uh, the company used to plan budgets accordingly. So now that because COVID has hit us uh, and November being our key month for the event, we did not want to let down our followers and, and the professionals around the world. So that is when we decided to start, uh, come up with the global project controls event, which is virtual. And uh, this event, which is now going to happen from 16th to 19th of November, is going to run for four days, uh, three tracks in parallel, 24 hours a day. Okay, And 
that means that every region or every time zone will be able to attend this event so there will be always something running around the clock and three tracks in parallel every day the tracks are different so we what we have done is we have converted our physical model into the virtual model so all our themes are same all our terminologies are same all our our entire approach remains the same so instead of me and you meeting physically we have just created a platform where you would be meeting it virtually so the the themes remains the same which is master class case studies technology innovation mega projects and we also started back to basics to help people strengthen the fundamentals so yep that event we are very much looking forward to to add to it and to get the real global flavor to it we also added multiple languages so the speakers would be talking apart from english so that's another interesting part so four days 24 hours three tracks in parallel makes it 250 speaking sessions that means 250 speakers talking for next four days making wow. it extremely busy event we are looking for close to 300 partners participating in that event and the current target is to have close to 5000 delegates attending that event total registrations and of course that would be spread out throughout the four days because a lot of time zones you know not not every australian would be able to attend in every time zone So that is the magnitude of it and we got a terrific response for that right now uh, and interestingly apart from UK US and Australia we have got a very encouraging feedback from the southern uh, americas the uh, the africa the middle east and southeast asia and i think i have never imagined that the people would be so excited about the virtual event because virtual event has got its own cons uh you don't get the actual flavor of networking and it has got its own challenges but despite of that the kind of response we have received from the partners from the delegates it is really astonishing one of one of the testament for that is within the one week of launching this event in end june we locked in the headline sponsors the platinum sponsors the key gold sponsors and that shows the you know trust and faith in us and i really hope that you know we we retain that uh, during our delivery time but yes it's going to be busy massively busy times and we look forward to it that's great i mean i'm i for one i'm really excited um, i've been to a few of them and you know one in in london and also one in um, melbourne. in melbourne which yep. was great because in australia obviously it's quite new i don't know how many you've had in melbourne or we australia we had two, two in melbourne and third was supposed two. to be in this november yeah and and from what i could see the interest is just as big as it was in london obviously we had a great venue as well the mcg in melbourne i'm i'm being biased because i was i was there and it's it's a great spot so you picked a great location um if i could just move to content because obviously each year you get an array of different types of presentations and talks and there's generally a theme what what can um what can attendees and registered uh, expect from the virtual and eventually you know the the physical um events coming up So for the virtual as I mentioned we are replicating the physical themes whatever themes we have in the physical event because that's our USP uh, yeah. and those themes spans around wide range of topics so back to basics talks about the fundamentals in project controls so we really are focusing on uh, fixing the fundamental errors in in understanding of project controls we we will help them understand what is actually planning is what is actually cost is what is actually risk is so back to basics session is predominantly for the 
for the beginners, you can call it, or, or the people who just entered into the project controls or someone yeah. who is into the project controls but want to reinforce the understanding uh, about each of its sub-function. Then you've got a case study zone where we're talking about the real-life problems and the real-life solutions to it. So we're picking up the projects where they faced a particular issue and I really appreciate a lot of uh, speakers who are uh, talking what mistakes they have made or what challenges they have faced and how they overcome that. So that's about the case study zone. Then we've got a mega project zone, which a billion pounds or a billion dollars. The governance and the control for that project is slightly different than the typical projects. So we are emphasizing on that and uh, helping our users understand that what are the enhanced uh, systems uh, and solutions or the procedures you need to apply. So that's about the mega project zone. The technology zone is all about tech as it goes by the name. And that is where we would be listening from a lot of technology providers who will be coming up with lots of solutions and enhancements they have done to their tools to help us do our job better. So the tech zone is all about that. And then we also got the innovation zone. Now, that is something which we just started recently for last two years, because there is a lot of new things that are happening, uh, whether it is around the big data, whether it is about... Uh, managing the project in a much different ways. And because the, the, the nature of the project is changing, the size of the project is changing. And that is where you need a slightly different approach to handle them. And innovation is all about that. So it is not purely tech driven, but it is also about newer methodologies which you're adopting. So a couple of years back, someone really gave a good presentation on how critical chain method can be enhanced and applied on this project. So it is, it is all about newer thinking in terms of tool, in terms of processes, uh, and anything that would help us do our job better. So that that's about innovation zone. Uh, and I'm just trying to think case studies, we talked about it. Yeah, uh, social project zone is also something which we are doing it. Social project zone is all about the social projects. Now, it was interesting to see the social project, which is uh, the, the police and the public bodies or the health systems who, who they are doing major projects. But the project mm -hmm. controls never made a way in, 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 in that sector. And that is where the, a lot of these bodies are now seeing a benefit of having a, a robust project controls framework. We had some really good success last year at the UK where we had some speakers coming from the government and, and the public bodies who discuss the, the impact project controls can make on their project, whether it is policing reform project, whether it is a prisons reform or health and education and health and all sort of things. So there's a very wide range of topics we are going to talk. And there's a, all these themes are clearly defined on our website on, you know, just to help everyone understand better. Yeah, no, that's a brilliant um, synopsis, I guess. And everyone should be looking forward to that. There's something for everyone, I think, is what you're saying. Sure. And it's, it's really exciting that you're, you're covering new and emerging fields as well, not just the same as last year which is which means it's got more for people to come to and see and obviously i'm a i'm a tech guy that's uh, there's no secret there but i also believe in behavior and, and people and um so from your perspective do, do you see a growing trend in the project controls profession obviously you've seen it mature over 10 years um what what do you think's emerging for for project controls that that you're interested in and you're looking forward to hearing uh, this year at your own event Cool. I mean, I forgot to mention the BIM and the masterclass in the previous Zooms. Uh, okay. So the BIM zone is something which, again, we have started this year. And uh, BIM goes by its name, Building Information Modeling. And we're talking about how BIM, BIM can help 
make the project controls more effective. So there's a dedicated zone there, and we are expecting and looking forward from wide range of uh, professionals from across the globe to share how they have implemented the BIM or what are the challenges they have to implement the BIM on particular solution. And the masterclass goes by its name where we talk about, as you mentioned, the behaviors and, and the culture part of it, you know, because that yeah. is an integral part of yeah. any project. So masterclass is all about that. So, yeah, so that that was an extension to the previous questions. And, and the going forward, I think one of the things which I personally like to see and I'm encouraging everyone to talk about uh, openly is bringing the standardization in project controls, the standard, the consistent understanding of project controls across the industry, okay, and across the professionals. So if you talk about what project controls to a defense company, and if you talk to an infra company, what is project controls is, they are poles apart, right? So that is why I think the, the focus should be on how we can standardize it uh, by bringing everyone to same place. So we have managed to achieve that to a large extent in the UK, where we have people from all these different sectors, right, from oil and gas to defense to government to infra uh, and uh, other, other, all other functions, utilities and uh, s- small projects. And they all sat down. It took one year for us to define what project controls is but end of the day we managed to agree what project controls is and that is something which we need to do at the global level and that would also uh, uh, basically help the industry in such a way that the skills can be transferable right now if you're a project controls in a defense sector it is very difficult for you to apply the same knowledge and skills into the infrastructure because of the way they perceive project controls in a different way so the standardization is one thing which I would be looking for to happen uh, to make sure there's a consistent understanding and acknowledging project controls as a profession is something and also I would like to see going forward. Mm. So project controls is still not being seen as a profession. Nine, right. Five or I would say confidently 100% of the project controls people right now in the globe are accidental project controls people. They were not intended to be a part, become a project controls. It is yeah. just during the career line, they, they somehow switched to this thing. So I think there has to be career, there has to be defined path to become a project control. There has to be qualifications in project controls. And I'm pleased to see the UK have started the diploma in project controls qualification through apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And we also are very close to coming up with degree in project controls, the BSc honors degree in project controls in United what, Kingdom. In the UK? In the UK. And that is why wow. apprenticeship standard. So I think these are some of the fundamental steps uh, we have taken in this part of the world to professionalize the project controls. And because while we are doing that, we are also ensuring the consistent understanding. So you are hitting, you know, two birds in one stone. So I would suggest that effort should get replicated to other part of the world. We still have got a lot of work to do. We still yeah. need to ensure that this 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 qualification gets spread around. And we as a business, we as a group, uh, we have a college who would be rolling out these qualifications uh, as soon as it is approved. But the, the, the interesting thing to see is whether the rest of the world uh, take a leaf out of this thing and try to apply this in their environment. Yeah. Now, there's some great, some great things that you guys are obviously forging. And Project Chatter, I, I, you know, speaking on behalf of Dale and I, we, we're more than happy to help, I think. What, what's happening in the UK, we need to replicate. And I love the idea of standardization. 
because we had uh, we had Simon White on last episode, and he talked about the the element of education, which is also really important. True. Um, especially that entrant level, you know, there wasn't enough. We've got quite a bit of a, a gap in Australia, and so with scarcity, you know, you can make or buy. But he's decided to go with the make option, and he's coming with a certificate four for project controls. And then on the other end of the scale, you're looking at degrees in project controls, which is also great. Um, so we might be fossils at some point where, you know, people actually leave school and actually want to be in project controls instead of like the rest of us who all fell into it, uh, which is really a, a great, a great uh, prospect. And, and I look forward to it. I think one of the things I, I'm really interested in knowing from your perspective, though, is a question that I get asked a lot, I think, is, is it, is project controls part of PMO or is it its own profession? And, and what are your thoughts on that? No, definitely. I'll answer that question. We're just moving back to an education piece. Uh, yeah. When it comes to these uh, uh, education element of project controls, it is really important that apart from giving the knowledge, the individuals or the professionals should also be given an opportunity to translate that knowledge into the skills. So that Agreed. they can, if they demonstrate the knowledge into the skills, they are reinforcing their understanding. And behavior should be an integral part of it. So the KSB, this is what we call it. And it is being achieved by an apprenticeship route in the UK. So mm. when it comes to an education, all the three components, knowledge, skills, and behaviors are critical rather than, you know, you come to a classroom where you just listen to someone for five days and then you go home and you forget it. So I think there should be a much more um, uh, holistic way of looking at, at, at the education. Now, coming back to your question about project controls, uh, whether it's a part of a PMO, well, everyone has got different opinion on that. Uh, I would go by what we have defined in the UK uh, in, in, our, in our recent apprenticeship standard. It is a subset of project management, and it is always seen as giving the right information at the right time to the right people, which includes the project manager so that he can take the right decisions. So we are like an MI6 or MI5 project controls uh, and uh, PM is like a prime minister. So, so that the prime minister has got the right information, which is research-based, which is based on the data to allow him or her to make the right decision to make the project successful. That, that's how I see it. Yeah, I think um, to steal someone else, one of our previous guests' uh, words, Carolyn Patterson said, we're like the critical friend um, but she was also talking to PMO. So what I find interesting is if you look at Australian market at the moment, they're not, at least the government side, uh, they're not having PMOs traditionally. They're having project controls directors. Yep. And, and that's a really exciting prospect that, that, and I think largely it's driven by technology in that True. innately that one of the parts that's attractive about project controls is that they can pick up the technical aspects. And it's interesting that you're, putting BIM and, and all that information into the, into the next expo because cool. traditionally that's also been part of kind of engineering or digital engineering space. So from your, from your perspective then, do you think uh, project controls are the technical custodians of projects for the future? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, they would be holding, processing, analyzing the information, the technical information and yeah. filtering that and providing that to the PMO to allow them to do their job. So basically we are making the PMO more effective, put it that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's, a, that's some great answers there. And I think I think I like your analogy of the MI6. So we are intelligent gathering interfaces. Um, and a lot of that interfacing now is digitally related. So it's like, well, how do you explain something highly technical to to a prime minister, which is a great example because you've got to aim for kind of a fifth grader level of uh, conversation because otherwise you're going you're gonna to scare them off. Um, Dale, did you have anything to add to that? Oh, I was just, uh, I had a question that I was going to ask and I was going to say, Daniel, how do we make project controls more sexy? And then he said, well, we like MI5 or MI6. And I was like, well, you don't want more sexy than that. So <laughs> that was great. Um, but I wanted to ask you how we attract um, younger people into the profession as well. Um, you know, as, as we grow into, as you say, a, a profession within its own right, you've got these diplomas. How can people get involved? Um you know, are, are there sort of concessions that younger people can come to the expo and see what we do and all that kind of thing? How, how do we attract all this new talent? Because as Val says, sooner or later, we're going to be fossils. But what we're doing with the expo, what we're doing with Project Chatter is paying it forward, putting it out there that controls isn't this boring black box that no one really knows what happens inside, but actually it, it can actually be a really exciting career. True. Basically, the effort needs to be done at multiple levels. One is the awareness. The awareness must be spread across all levels, uh, right from the industry, from the government and uh, the employers, most importantly. So if I again look back to the UK, uh, now that we have the, the standard. So first of all, acknowledging this as a profession, number one, and then promoting that uh, as a career to the wider audience and help everyone understand what this is about. So one of the ways to make it attractive uh, in the UK was they put into the engineering category because of the way the project controls operate and the the, the elements we need to address uh, because of the technical element associated with it. So when we started this uh, apprenticeship, I'm just trying to give you the real life situation on how we attracted the people just to give you, give you an answer to your question is that we did a lot of awareness campaigns. And because industry was involved, it was very easy for us to push that awareness campaigns within those uh, companies. And once that message was spread, uh, there were a few who took that some steps. Uh, the, there were some guinea pigs, you know, who, who offered few apprentices on few, few in uh, the GCSEs and A-levels uh, students for, for this profession. And over the last three years, I saw at least 20 times more uh, demand for, for, for professionals joining in these at the entry level. So it's all about the acknowledging this as a profession, number one, then drumming it up, awareness, industry acknowledging it, accepting it, okay, preparing a plan to roll it out uh, for, for, prepare, for getting the uh, profession acknowledged. And I think that that should help. And what we have also done is because it is a very new field, the, there's a support from the government as well, which is what should be there. So in, in UK, uh, in terms of levy apprenticeship, the, it is being funded by the government and the employer. So in, in our case, it is not being paid by the individuals because it is identified as one of the shortage, shortage skills in the country. So I think these are all these steps possibly needs to be taken to get the attention of the uh, the younger generation uh, to see to allow them to see it as as a project controls uh, as a profession 
So at this moment, again, as, a, as you know, there are only a handful of places where this is being seen as a profession. Others, in other places, it is not. So the very first step, first step is to make it as a profession. Create a qualification in that. Raise awareness around it and let people get interested into it. I'm sure they will be. Yeah, no, that's great insight. And uh, you mentioned a triangle there. I love your other triangle, KSB as well. Yeah. Knowledge, uh, skills, um, and, behavior, skills yeah. and behaviors. Uh, okay. You know, we love, a, we love a triangle on the Project Chatter podcast. Um, but you mentioned earlier as well, and, and you're kind of alluding it to now as well, um, about um, other industries and, you know, the likes of the police force, et cetera, coming in. And is it, is it um, becoming easier to break into these other industries um, with regards to what project controls can offer? Because if you ask any project controls professional, can you go into any industry? Of course, we're going to say yes, because if you understand controls, it, it is so varied that it's almost like a mini business manager where you're looking at cost, schedule, risk, you're trying to make um, that match up to the deliverables and the strategy and you know, make it all work. Um, is, is it becoming easier? See, it is definitely not easier. To be honest with you, uh, forget about the social projects, but when the project controls being discussed to be applied into the non-oil and gas, traditionally it started with oil and gas and, and the space programs. But when 10 years back I've started this project controls expo, when we're talking about rolling this, uh, uh, this function into even the infra projects, there, uh, there was not much awareness about it. And hence, there was a bit of a pushback. But once, uh, once you applied and once you see the benefits, then the word spreads. And we are at the stage where I think, in, at least in the UK, project controls is everywhere. Now, when it comes to the social projects, I call it a social project, like Department for Work and Pension, the police, the prison reforms. I mean, if you look at their spend, it is no less than the capital project spend. So when it's a spend, when it is a really a project to do some transformation in, in one function or other function, theoretically, they can apply project controls there. Now, that the challenge there is because they are so traditionally uh, old frameworks, it is, it is uh, kind of difficult to change the way of working they do. And because there is a bureaucracy involved in it, it makes your job a little bit more difficult. So I'm not being critical of the governments or uh, the ways of working of our, our, our bureaucracy, but it is, it, is, it is more challenging to change the approach uh, in a public sector than the private sector because of the obvious reasons. And, and that is why it might take some time, but... I think with the consistent push, awareness, and acknowledgement of this function, I don't see any problem in social projects acknowledging, accepting project controls for their businesses. No, that's great. And you talk about standardization earlier as well. And I think standardization will probably go a long way to helping other industries understand what it is we do. Um, so, so that's really interesting as well. And part of that, you mentioned there's a diploma and you know, there's a degree being looked at as well. And if I'm a, a sort of a, a young person going, you know, shit, COVID's hit and I don't know what to do now anymore. How can I get involved in getting a project controls diploma? Is it, is it, is it widely available in, in various institutes, learning institutes, or is it only specific ones you can find, find this diploma at? 
Cool. Right now, this qualification is only limited to the apprenticeship where it is funded by the government uh, and the employers. Uh, But very soon, we as a business are going to roll out this qualification for general audience, uh, maybe by end of this year. So it can be delivered via virtual uh, platform or it can be delivered via the classroom the traditional way. But with the COVID, I think we will be looking to enhance the virtual capability. So yes, in the meantime, the way I, what I would suggest uh, those aspirants to start building their understanding around project controls. And the best way to do that is come to Project Controls Expo website. And we have got wealth of material there. For all the 10 years, you will see the presentations and you don't, we don't even need your login to allow you to see that. So mm-hmm. just come over there and there's a tons and tons of material, especially look into the back to basic zone content, which is where we talk about the fundamental elements of planning, cost, risk, change and project controls as such. Start building their understanding around project controls. Start understanding what it is. And there are a lot of reports they can always study And then once they have a fair bit of understanding, maybe, you know, by that time, we ourselves would be able to roll out these qualifications. Uh, In in the UK, there is is a qualification in in project control. There is a uh, certificate, level four qualification in in project controls, which we deliver. At the moment, that is being delivered over the period of 12 months. So they can make a start on that as well, actually. but at the same time, if they're looking for pure virtual delivery, we need to look into that. So to answer your questions, yes, they can they can gain these qualifications at the moment, even if they are not in position to go through the apprenticeship qualification. The same qualification is being transformed into a standard qualification. Plus, there is also a level four qualification in, in project control, which is offered by CITB. And we can we can deliver that. So, yes. But before doing that, I would really suggest all those aspirants to look into uh, the the existing material on all the um, public domains. And I can definitely recommend Project Controls Expo because it's important that you build that understanding. You understand what it is before you, you jump, you know, in, in, into the sea and, and start swimming. So you need to prepare yourself. But if you have a better understanding about what you're supposed to do, I think the learning will be much more effective rather than starting from the fresh. That's brilliant insight. And I agree with you. The expo is amazing for anyone wanting to find out more about, you know, what, what we actually do. Um, to add to that, I'd say, you know, if, if you also want to know and you, you don't, you know, you don't want to wait for the expo, just, you know, it's, it's only November, start yeah. reaching out today on LinkedIn. Yep. to guys like Anil and anyone else in the industry and go, what is controls and have a bit of a discussion. True. You know, we we're keen to spread the good word. Um, we're, we're keen to reach out because there are a lot of opportunities for people looking for good careers in controls and um, you know, that the supply isn't there. So I'd encourage people to look at it and also to add to it, listen to the project shadow podcast, check out our <laughs> backlog. We've got so Definitely. much, Definitely. so many great guests yeah. that have been on as well. Um, so I'd encourage everyone to use every resource available um, you know, that they can um, and, and, and really figure out if it, if it works for them. Um, and then just leading on to the, um, you said we were close to having a degree as well. How will that, will that also be via sort of some uh, apprenticeship or will it be at universities? What, what's, what's the thinking? So that apprenticeship is, should be rolled out by Christmas this year, but we as a college are going to deliver that for the um, other audience as well who are not apprentices. 
so uh, anyone can join it so we are preparing the course curriculum right now so come january uh, hopefully fingers crossed if we meet our targets uh, anyone can start enrolling themselves for bsc uh, honors in project controls degree qualification and you need not to be uh, in the country uk you can be anywhere because the program which we are developing right now is um, uh can be delivered via virtual platform there will be lot of dissertation to support that uh, learning and those ksb element which i talked about we are embedding that in a different uh, way uh, because we really felt that is uh, going to reinforce the understanding of of this function so come january and we will be rolling out the bsc honors in project controls to the general audience not just for the apprenticeship brilliant and people can find that on project controls institute is that right Uh, yes i mean the right yes project control institute uh, now what we have done is because these are the academic qualifications we comes under various quality uh, assurance uh, audits and that is why we ring things ring fence that business and uh, that business is london metropolitan college which delivers all these academic qualifications but on the prochcon group website you can see all this information or people can reach me directly and i'll be happy to help them sign post them Brilliant. That's excellent. Thanks very much, Anil. Uh, Val, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. <laughs> I saw you in the background there, and the steam was coming out. I think the hamster wheel was going round and round and round. Come on, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Um, one of the things that I find interesting is that you've got private, you've got private enterprise, you know, pushing, innovating, driving for standardisation. Yet we have existing bodies of knowledge for project management. we have documents and standard charters and all this stuff what i don't see though is half of the things you mentioned the project controls expert which are super valuable things like technology and bim a digital engineering piece we know is going to be important that's going to roll into other things like vr ar iot cool. from a technical perspective we know that culture and psychology and behavior is far more important now specifically because we're all working remotely and we're isolated that's going to be a big factor after covid goes away if it ever, cool. if it does go away what i don't know though is take take an institution perspective can institutes keep up and and this is probably a premise for all educational facilities from school to high school apprenticeships to institutes or is it reliant on people like anil you know to to push the boundaries because it seems to me that the educational institutes that certify the guys and girls that go out and and drive these programs it isn't it isn't as effective as we think it's going to be and 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 the reason why i say that is if you think about the project success statistics and depending on where you read you know we your sign was saying something around 19% i think i read a report in 2018 kpmg i roughly around 27% success rate on all projects right now obviously a lot of those projects have project controls yep so my my question and you and you don't i mean you might not know the answer it's more speculative but how can we get institutes to speed up the process of releasing uh, relevant content to help our guys out and girls out um because you're one person with a great organization that's doing really good things but to standardize it like you said you're going to need a lot of support across all industries and all disciplines um and largely because we're talking about specializing training around project controls but there's almost like a project controls for managers do you ever remember doing that when you did a finance for managers course you're like what the hell are those finance guys doing they'll teach you oh well this is for you nobs that don't know what finance do that want to know i think we almost need like some kind of umbrella to support 
all the auxiliary pieces so they appreciate what project controls do and maybe that'll help standardize. Um, what are your thoughts on that? No, no, what you said is spot on, Well, uh, And the answer to that is a collaboration between all these professional bodies. And yeah. uh, it'll have its own practical challenges uh, for the obvious reasons. And uh, I don't see that is happening in the near future. And I'm being very blunt here, and I will be criticized for that. Uh, but let's admit it uh, that, you know, it, it may not be possible for all the professional bodies to come together, collaborate, and, you know, uh, and use that synergy to enhance their own uh, processes or, or various uh, knowledge guides or the you know, knowledge books, they got it. And, and until that happened, it is not going to take place. And that is why I think industry needs to potentially also uh, look at alternatives. And those alternatives, I believe, sits within the uh, education department, which is in the UK's Department of Education Institute of Apprenticeship. Mm. Uh, and I think these uh, these bodies can potentially uh, come up with the ways and means to standardize things, which UK has done to us to some extent. But when it comes to the professional bodies, I think they need to collaborate. And if they are, if they are not able to for any XYZ reason, I think they would still need to be agile and innovative in, 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 their, in their content, in their recommended practices, which they are doing it. But because of the nature of their uh, business is, I think it's a big wheel and it takes time for them to move it around. We being yeah. a smaller player, you know, we, we, can, we can turn around things much more faster. So we, we adapt to the newer things much more quicker than anyone else. And yeah. if, if these professional bodies can build that capabilities in them, I see no reason why they cannot do it. And there, some are taking some actions on, on those lines, uh, but I think it, it, it is, there's some time before we can see some tangible outcomes of those efforts. Uh, yeah. But to answer your questions is, yes, it can be done, but I think they need a slightly different approach. Some are doing it, uh, but it will it will take some time before we get some some you know deliverables out of it. You know, I was just I was just thinking while you were talking, and I really appreciate you, Anil, and all the work that you've done over the last ten years for the project controls profession. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that do, and um, you know, if if Project Chatter can help, Dale, maybe we can have a an episode where we bring some of these institutes together to talk about it, and that might lead to some some further collaboration. I think you're bang on. I, th- these guys have got to get together in a room. Um, whether that's virtual or not, obviously it would be, but but try and understand how we how we bridge and consent to a faster model for releasing of information. Um, because I don't think it get, it's not going to get slower. So you can almost anticipate that. And uh, if we are good at planning, then we should be forecasting that uh, the the race to kind of standardize is only going to get slipperier, and and it's obviously putting a lot of strain on on the entrance as well because. Yep. You know, I'll talk to you about specific examples where I've got, you know, qualified or graduating data scientists who want to enter the market, but obviously there's no market to enter because government and big projects, let's take mega projects in particular, and I've raised this before, aren't ready yet. They're still running on the back of spreadsheets and emails, yep. 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 which they were yep. doing 10, 15 years ago. And it's yep. like, well, the incentive isn't there yet. So we need to make sure that we're helping out the entire industry from 
those that are just entering in new roles that we may not have considered before and those um, at the other end of the spectrum. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I think that's a really good point that you put there. Uh, that's all I had, Dale. I'll, I'm glad I got that out, mate. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's great. You can have a rant uh, anytime you want, Val. Any episode you want, you can have a rant. Um, <laughs> so go for it. Um, I wanted to just jump back to your KSB knowledge, skills, and, and behaviors and just dissect that a little bit. Um, knowledge is obviously very important. We have to understand uh, the theories, the concepts, all that kind of a thing. Skills is the application of that as well. But key to that is behaviors. And we've spoken a lot about that. Um, on previous pods as well. And one of the things that we've noticed, I, and, well, I think, um, and maybe it's a limited view, but you don't often have the right behaviors when you go into project environments. And this isn't just from a project controls perspective. This is from project managers, engineering, commercial, all integrating together. And I often find that controls or PMO, whichever flavor you want to call us, um, is the integrator for a lot of that. And, and, and um, because the behaviors aren't necessarily collaborative throughout those other um, functions, we have to kind of be the glue that sticks it all together. Um, and, and so it's interesting that you mention, you know, KS and B. How much of an emphasis should we be placing on behaviors and, and that specifically as a skill set? I think I would put a lot of emphasis. Simon White, you mentioned uh, from BAE uh, recently, he asked me a question. Anil, why projects fail? Give me the top five reasons. I said the top reason is not planning, cost, risk, change, anything. The top reason is people. So, and when you talk about people, it's behaviors. So it's the behaviors which, is, which, which are extremely critical for the success of the project. And behavior means the ethics, Behavior means the interpersonal skills. Behavior means how do you present information, whom you present information, how you present information. So I would imagine behavior is a integral and most critical element among uh, K, S, and Bs. And it should get its due weightage uh, when any learning or, or any, any form of competency development is happening. And is is that going to be a, a key focus in diplomas and, and degrees for project controls? True, true. I mean, the if you look at the behavior section of the uh, diploma qualification, it's quite extensive. And it talks about a wide range of elements into it. And that demonstrates uh, it, its importance straight away there. I mean, there, there is no use of having those knowledge and skills if you don't have the right behaviors. With, with having the right behaviors, you can gain some knowledge and skills. But, you know, with just knowledge and skills, you may not gain the behavior. So it's, it is really, really important to have the right behaviors. If, and one of the behaviors is if you're being very proactive. If you're proactive, you will pick up the KNS. But, you know, if, if your behavior is, you know, uh, is completely in a different direction, then you know, no point in having those KNS with you. So to, I would put B and the top, actually. Yeah, so actually that's the foundation of, of all of the above, if you think about it. And then that's great for someone coming in. We've got the syllabus. We're going to you know, really help you with the behaviors as, as well as the knowledge and, and the skills. But how do we change that from the current leadership where perhaps they, they didn't know that way? And, you know, you talk about different industries and, and um, not just different views on what controls is, but project management in general is different in different industries. And, yeah. and in some ways it, it's actually um, – uh, what's the way to put it, Phil? It, it's not very collaborative. It's very hierarchical. It, it's very um, sort of blame game type. You know, it, it, it's not a nice place to work at times on, in certain 
perhaps industries, it may be too broad, perhaps certain organizations, I don't know. Um, but the culture, how do, we, how do we go and change the current culture, let alone try and influence the future? I think the, as you, I, you gave the answer, the culture, you need to enforce the right culture. I can give you one of my past employers experience there, and it's a good example. And uh, they ensured that, you know, everyone right from the top to the bottom, eat, drink, sleep, the processes and procedures they have drafted. And then it doesn't matter who is asking you to do what, if that doesn't fit within those processes, you cannot do it. And the example of that I have personally witnessed in a big boardroom meeting where all the key senior stakeholders are sitting and the project director asked the lead project controls to rebaseline the projects for some reasons. And I was really impressed to see the project controls, lead project controls, which was way down the hierarchy, very openly, confidently, strongly suggested, I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. The Brilliant. project director was shocked. He said, may I know why? Uh, and the answer was simple. The procedure number 6.7.2 states that we have to do baseline in these six conditions. And none of these six conditions currently fit here. That is it. So the confidence that that individual has got it because there was a culture in the business that no matter what someone asks you to do it, you're not supposed to deviate from your procedures. So it's all part of the culture. So if you put, if you embed the right culture into the business, I think the behaviors will automatically start flowing in. No, that's great. And then that leads me on to, well, then that comes back to organizational structure as well. Yes. Um, because in certain instances, uh, controls or PMO reporting to the PD project director, but in others, they're independent. Um, and, and we've spoken before that independence allows you to do that more. True. Um, are you seeing a change in shift when it comes to structure of projects? So the, in project controls environment, if I, if I look at the capital projects, I've always seen the matrix organization chart. I think that helps a lot because then one way you're reporting to the PD, you're also reporting it to the head of project controls. So that gives you an independence. There is someone who to protect you, you know, in case uh, you've been uh, penalized for, for, for speaking right things. So mm -hmm. I think the matrix organization structure also uh, helps in, in, in bringing that or putting that culture into the place. No, that's great insights. And, and then just if we dissect PMO, because in certain organizations, PMO is you have a risk function, you have a planning function or scheduling, whichever <laughs> your definition is. Mm -hmm. uh, you then also potentially have a commercial function, which is not part of PMO and look after cost management. But then you also have project controls. And for me, it doesn't make sense to be so siloed. Um, I wonder if you can give us your view on the industry and, and how you see things currently and where they're, they're headed in terms of that. No, definitely. I mean, I know few employees in the UK who has got exactly similar structure. We, maybe we both are talking about the same employers, but there, there, are, there are a lot of organizations who, who operate in that way. And again, that is that and standardization piece I talked about. Come, uh, you know, is it, something which needs to be rolled out. So more and more organizations need to get together, sit across a table and discuss openly, you know, talk about the elephant in the room, okay? And then address it because the more awareness and the more brainstorming, more uh, talks happen around that topic, I think it will change the way we look at things, the way change, the way do things. And there are also the challenges around the, so, around changing that structure. So yes, there is one. So 
even if we acknowledge that changing it within the organization also needs a support from the senior management so yeah. to to answer that i think once these standards becomes the industry norms it will be easy for everyone to adopt and implement so i we need to wait until that point but until to make that to happen we need to keep pushing it it won't happen overnight we need we need to constantly work for that we need to constantly uh, push for that and we, that needs to be done on multiple levels at the industry level at the government level at the public bodies level and every level and also the awareness at the ground level and then only i think at some stage we will be there standardization is the key now that's brilliant and uh, on behalf of all the controls community thanks for pushing that and, and you know all your efforts in that as well annual um but i wanted to just shift slightly um onto uh, project controls online mm-hmm. um how how old is this online community where is it headed what what can people gain from from getting there so i that was the very first thing i started 10 years back uh and and i i felt that that not many people know about project controls there was an extremely inconsistent understanding around it and there was no single database which you can access uh, a knowledge base let me call it to access without email addresses without paying hefty fees you know there was no a uh, platform where anyone can upload anything of course it goes through the approval process uh and you know for the benefit of the community with the pure intention of benefiting the community so that is where i started this uh, project control online and i was very uh, pleased to see the support i received from the industry so when we started this there was people from us to australia to india to to middle east and africa supported that that initiative and over the period of years we have built that uh, database and it is largest known project controls central repository on 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 the web at the moment and the presence uh, is so deep that if you search project controls in any web browser in any location of the world country the first generic search comes out to be projectcontrolsonline.com and the reason why we reached to that stage is because everything is free there it is purely for the development of the profession and you know and for the community to come together and that is why it it got spread across so many places the recent google analytics suggest that we have active presence in over 180 countries and we got 20000 hits per day on that website on a daily basis so i think we could manage to do that because we we gave a platform we offered a platform to the community uh, for informational exchange and allow them to share and you know uh, whatever they they want to without thinking twice or without going through the multiple hoops now that's brilliant and we definitely need more and more you know places where people can go and find um the real truth and not just the textbook so yeah. that's brilliant um and yeah people should just go and google that because it's as easy as that um <laughs> but yeah vel anything from you yeah of course always um <laughs> so i think i think just wrapping up on wings before uh, this this conversation around standardization i think almost you need to give elevated permission and, and i mean in the form of sponsorship to project controls in order to be really effective at their jobs mm-hmm. and i mean that because in, in a way a lot of the times projects have problems in culture they've already started and to try and undo and unravel and unpack and then repack and then reset while a project's trying to deliver really high pressure uh, and at pace is quite difficult um you you're wearing multiple hats at the same time so you almost need a a side stepping team to kind of develop that if you're in situ if you're in a project already and uh 
if anyone's listening and they're in a project and they're like, you know, all this stuff that Anil's telling us is great, but like we're halfway through delivery and it's crazy here. I can barely get a report on time at month end without any errors. Uh, I know we've all been there. Um, I would say you need to, you need to have a sit down with your senior leadership team and you need to ask for permission. You need to set some real clear objectives and what your role entails because standardization in a mega project or any project is, is largely uh, an opt-in process and that's what you're talking about when you talk about behaviors it's if you want a culture to work well they've got to believe in the purpose and the mission and the vision and and feel like they're contributing to something other than themselves and when you're part of a bigger bigger piece of the pie or you understand where you're going that then you drive a a consensus in culture so that's really good points um this database this is interesting right so uh, you said twenty thousand hits per month is that what you said per day Per day, that's like uh, the equivalent of like eBay, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So for, for me, I put my data hat on and I'm like, so what could you, so what, <laughs> what could you mine in there? What does it tell you? Do, you? do you take that data and then do you run any analysis on it? Do you form it into a book? Do you, how do you structure all that information and, and kind of redistribute it back to the team? Or is there a way to do that? And I'm happy to help. Like, let me know. To be honest with you, I've never thought about it well. Uh, just because, you know, most of the content can be accessed without even logging in. Uh, I yep. think that encourages a lot of people to come to the website because many times uh, when such platform is there, uh, people are conscious about putting their login details there because they know I'll be spammed with multiple emails and we have removed that thing. So 99% of the content on the on the website is, is you don't need any any sort of uh, email access or email ID to, to do that. I think that is encouraging a lot of people to do that. So I won't be able to pull out the information of who has come to our website and you know, uh, what were the backgrounds and uh, what was the profiles, but definitely what we are seeing is there's an increasing interest from the developing nations in project controls, understanding what it is about. And because of the, the surge in capital projects, the, I think the awareness is, is growing rapidly and mm. uh, potentially that is causing a lot of, uh, bringing a lot of attention to the project controls online. And because of the heavy presence on the web, the generic presence, not the paid one, the generic presence is so much that people and also because the amount of content it has got, it's the the indexing happens and and the search engine optimization is basically is is working at the back end. I think it it's just increasingly become the one stop resource for accessing every information. Now what we are trying to do is there's a lot of feedback we are getting uh, these days, and one of the thing which we could be doing and where you could potentially help because you volunteered for that is to enhance the tools section. What we are trying to do is to give a very independent assessment of each tool on, on that platform. We have been doing it. We have did it for a couple of tools recently. What mm-hmm. our users are wanting to know is, I know there is a tool A, B, and C. On paper, they do the same job. And they all talk about some great things. But what we're looking for is someone independent who, who, who assess these tools on certain parameters and come up and come up with the independent report of pros and cons. We wouldn't be saying this tool is better than other tool, but what we should be telling is this tool is better in these things and not so good in this thing. And this tool is good in this thing and not so good in this thing. So that would help 
two things mm. one is the 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 vendors who are building the tools they will be able to enhance those capabilities which they feel uh, are not there because uh, it is being viewed from the project controls professionals perspective so people like you and me who who apply project controls on our on on our work on day to day they are assessing it so i'm looking basically for for volunteers who could help me assess those tools and enhance that tool section so that is one area which is little bit uh, underrated uh, we we need to work on that so we right. can catch up on that to see whether we can we can look into it and we can enhance it further so yeah it's, it's i i kind of picked that up as kind of a standardization or kind of a tool scoring index yeah. that's independent uh, project chatter is more than happy to help so we'll talk about that as well cool. and i also think the other really valuable thing that might be in your data um, would be frequently asked questions and compiling that because I was talking to Simon last episode, weren't we, Dale? And yeah. saying, is there like a is there like a playbook? And if you could run the frequency of how many questions, or uh, maybe that's the importance of it, and you would rate that, and then you could prioritize it, and then that would be valuable mm. too because I, underneath each frequently asked question, you'd have a whole bunch of answers, and I imagine they're rated by popularity as well. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we could have a look at that too, and and that'd be interesting. I, I'm sure. Definitely, I need to look into whether our, we can get the information from that perspective. Uh, the, we have got an FAQ. We do get a lot of emails, though. You know, how do I get into project controls? You know, or how do I learn this and how do I learn that? Uh, which we ask them to encourage them to go to the forum section. But somehow people believe in sending emails directly. And oh, we get the same. We get the same, and all this like not emails not going anywhere. I promise you for the next twenty years at least. Exactly, exactly. So we get a lot of emails, <laughs> and I can share some of the feedback. But all of a lot of questions is around what are the easier ways of implementing project controls in our business? Because one, the moment they talk about project controls, you know, every you know we are we are making a lot of people anxious, you know, and curious because they think oh talking about some really heavy lifting tool and stuff like that and it's going to cost us millions and no 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 we don't want to do it it is basically the uh, the awareness on uh, how the project controls can be sliced and diced uh, to suit every project requirement so i get a lot of questions around that thing is we are a small business you know uh, is like a million pounds turnover we do a lot of construction projects how can I implement project controls without causing too much of a cost on it? Or how yeah. should I get into the project controls? These are some of the frequent things or what, which tool is right. And that is where I was trying to focus on the tools area because out of 10, four questions we get is around which is the right tool for my business. And, uh, you know, these, these are our requirements or so something like that. And if I go to the vendor, they will only talk about their tool. Of course, they won't talk about others. So how would I make a decision? So that is, again, is one of the critical questions which is being asked by the audience and which may want to answer that. Oh, we would love to talk about this offline perhaps, but, but something like a chatbot with a sure. access to Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I think sure. you know, for anyone like myself, I'm super curious, as you know, Anil, and like Dale knows this. I, I get really kind of fixated on how, how things operate. And, and specifically, I think... Project controls has so many facets and it's and it's hard. It's hard to find, especially in the internet now, other than yourself. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of half-baked pies and really poor planning standard models. I mean, we talked to our, our friend Michael Lepage about the P6 training, but 
you know, trying to standardize all of this, you're all kind of segmented. And so we do need to work on that collaboration piece. And True. I'm glad, I'm glad we're working together. Mate. It's, it's good. Yeah, to have definitely. You. Collaboration yeah. is the key, whether it is at the professional bodies level or the uh, independent platforms like us level or whether the industry level, uh, you know, everyone needs to come together. Otherwise this is not going to happen. Yeah, no, well said, well said, agreed. And uh, talking of pies, we absolutely need those cookbooks and those recipe books, um, you know, to add to your playbook analogy there, Val. (laughs) But as we head to close out the pod, I wanted to ask you one more thing, Anil. When you're not doing project controls and other than sleeping, what do you do? Well, I hardly get any time for that. (laughs) Trust me, honest me, because... Every year we keep on adding something and just keeping me on my toes. But if I do get some time, you know, uh, I do travel. Uh, I, I would like to travel. I don't get a lot of opportunities, but uh, whenever I do, like four years back, I, I, I traveled in Kashmir. We went on a bike ride. So I think that is something which really takes my you know, stress off, allows me to take my stress off. Yeah. Going into some quiet location, you know, and uh, the areas which are, not being explored by many, which is not very heavily commercialized. Yes. And in exploring those areas on a, on a motorbike or a bike is something which I would love to do. So the travel is something which I would like to uh, exp- uh, experience if, if ever I get some time. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. It, it just shows that you're not a robot. You are actually human. So that's great. Ah, yes. <laughs> My wife says that, you know, quite enough often that I'm becoming a robot. So uh, I keep hearing that a lot of times. She also says that, you know, risk has become an oxygen for me. So, but then. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. <laughs> not that's to brilliant. without it. Yeah. Yeah. No, excellent. Th- thanks for uh, spending time with us. Um, if I can just recap, we spoke about the expo uh, yeah. and what, what's happening there, especially this year with COVID and the virtual expo, yeah. and that's uh, in November. So people can go and, and check that out. Uh, we also spoke about some of the learning um, opportunities that people can have, and that's via um, the Institute, Project Controls Institute cool. as well, as well as some of the uh, diplomas, degrees, apprenticeships that are out there and people can get involved as well as the Project Controls uh, uh, online platform. Um, and, and so there's a lot out there and we thank you for everything um, that you'd be doing for the community. Are there any final words and thoughts that you want to leave us with, Daniel? No, first of all, thanks uh, for giving me an opportunity to share my views. And I think uh, the only thing which I would like to say is for the global community to come together for the benefit of the profession, be it any platform. I mean, Expo is, 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 is the platform which I have created uh, and you, the same way you have created the Project Editor Podcast. Uh, be it any platform, I think they need to come together. They need to collaborate. They need to work towards standardization and bring as much as possible professionalism in, in this function and grow the awareness and try and help make our projects a real success. And not every project is a commercial project. So success can be defined by multiple facts as well, additional factors as well. So I think come together, work together and you know, uh, grow together. That's the best way I can put it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Those are great words. Val, any final thoughts from yourself? No, it's a pleasure. Now I know we'll speak some more um, and uh, guys head out to Project Controls Expo, Google that, um, register. Uh, obviously you'll hear from Dale and myself. I think we are speaking at some point somewhere on that 250 list. <laughs> 24 hours of craziness. I can't wait. It's going to sound really good. Uh, and yeah, just, just thanks for having me, mate. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you guys. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, folks, that's all we have time for on this episode, uh, but it doesn't have to stop there. 
pay it forward and head over to our charity shop and get yourself some gear. All profits go to charity and you'll be helping our children in desperate need of opportunities and education. Subscribe via our website and you'll get a link to our online community where you can chat directly to myself, Val, our expert guests and other community members. For more information, blogs and previous podcasts, check out projectchatterpodcast.com. A massive thank you to Mr. Project Controls, Anil. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks as always to Val and thank, thank you. you all for listening. Thank you both. Thank Until you. next time, we say stay safe, be disruptive and have fun doing it. It's bye for now. Fantastic. Bye guys. Thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.